Hi, campers. Welcome to Museum Camp. I'm Megan. I'm Madison. Hello. Thank you for joining us. It's Immature History. Yeah. We're here to read you stories. It's your weekly dose of just weird stuff going on in the world. Ripped straight off the internet. Yeah. We did nothing. We did virtually nothing. Almost nothing. And I'm going to start. Yeah. Um, by reading a Wikipedia article about Rosemary Brown. Okay. Um, Rosemary Isabel Brown was an English composer, pianist, and spirit medium who Uh-oh. claimed that dead composers dictated new musical works to her. Sure. Okay. <laughs> oh, Rosemary. She created a small media sensation in the 1970s by presenting works purportedly dictated to her by Claude Debussy, Edvard Grieg, Franz Liszt, Franz Schubert, Frederick Chopin, Igor Stravinsky, Johann Sebastian Bach, yeah. Johann Brahms, uh, Beethoven, Schumann, Rachmaninoff, Rachmaninoff, you know, wow. you know those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the greats. Yeah. Uh, so she was born in London in 1916. She claimed to have been only seven years old when she was first introduced to the world of dead musicians. Okay. Like. (laughs) Kids are so creepy. They're so creepy. (laughs) She reported that a spirit with long white hair and a flowing black cassock appeared and told her he was a composer and would make her a famous musician one day. Uh Uh-huh. She did not know who he was until about 10 years later when she's 17. Wow. She saw a picture of Franz Liszt. Wow. Many other members of Brown's family were allegedly psychic, including her parents and grandparents. You know, she never thought to ask Franz for his name. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, (laughs) why wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, And she lived in, so she lived from 1916 to 2001. Wow. Um, So it's like she had access, like if he had said, hey, I'm Franz Lisch, like she had, you know, an encyclopedia yeah surely she could have looked that up uh-huh a library but she's not encyclopedia brown she's, she's rosemary brown <laughs> brilliant work she worked for the post office from the age of 15 my dream job mm-hmm. in 1948 she acquired a secondhand upright piano and took some lessons for three years in 1952 she married she married charles brown not charlie brown <laughs> Often confused. (laughs) A government scientist. Wow. Mm -hmm. They had a son and a daughter before her husband died in 1961. Then in 1964, Lisch supposedly renewed contact and Brown began transcribing original compositions she said were dictated to her by great musicians from the past. Uh, Brown transcribed pieces from, and then it lists that whole gang again, plus Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Uh Um, These included a 40-page sonata she attributed to Schubert, a fantaisie impromptu in three movements she attributed to Chopin, Uh 12 songs she attributed to Schubert, and two sonatas and two symphonies she attributed to Beethoven. Wow. Brown claimed that each composer had his own way of dictating to her. Lisht controlled her hands for a few bars at a time, and then she wrote down the notes. Chopin told her the notes and pushed her hands onto the right keys. Sure. Schubert tried to sing his compositions. (laughs) Tried to sing his compositions. It's so funny. And Beethoven and Bach simply dictated the notes. She claimed the composer spoke to her in English. Oh, boy. Rosemary. Yeah, Rosemary. (laughs) 
Uh, Brown's claims about spirit communication were disputed were disputed by skeptics. Mm-hmm. How about those skeptics? <laughs> However, it would not be fair to say that this opinion was universal. There were a number of musicians and musicologists who supported her claims. Really? Mm-hmm. Humphrey Searle, who is an authority on Licht, wrote in his autobiography, uh, Quadrille with a Raven, wrote... <laughs> That's such a... I mean, come on. Such a dramatic... <laughs> <laughs> autobiography name yeah. uh, wrote referring to Grubelet a piece inspired by Liszt quote it is certainly in keeping with Liszt's <laughs> that's such a hard word to say uh-huh. experimental style being mostly written in single notes in each hand it is highly chromatic and one hand is written in 5-4 time against 3-2 in the other the latter is not a thing that Liszt ever did as far as I know but it is the sort of thing he might have done as I said in okay. my broadcast anything is the sort of thing anyone might, might have, done. have done yeah <laughs> And also, like, she could have just been um, acquainted with Lish's work. Yeah. It's also, it's just like, okay, congrats on inventing a remix. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you remixed it. You're not talking to ghosts. (laughs) Um, Okay, so this guy's still quoting uh, sort of thing he might have done, as I said in my broadcast, which was reproduced on this record sleeve without my knowledge. <laughs> Since then, Fiona and I have got to know Rosemary well and believe her to be perfectly genuine, even if the pieces dictated to her by dead composers are not masterpieces, uh, although some of them are very nice works. She has had no technical training in composition and could not possibly produce pastiches like, say, those by Joseph Cooper in his TV program, Face the Music. What? What is this guy talking about? <laughs> he sounds like the worst. He sounds insufferable. <laughs> Professor Ian Parrott was also a supporter and participated in a documentary and wrote Rosemary Brown's obituary for The Guardian. Uh, Grubelet, partly dictated under the watchful gaze of BBC reporter Peter Dorling, this is a quote, uh, mm-hmm. and a television studio crew, is undoubtedly a most spectacular and unusual piece. Mm. It has strong harmonies, cross rhythms, and occasional instructions in French, Ooh. a point conferring authenticity but difficult to fake. The composer and Lish specialist Humphrey Searle, that guy again, said, mm. quote, we must be grateful to Mrs. Brown for making it available to us. Oh, this guy is like really into her. Yeah, obsessed. Um, after studying her compositions, musicologists and psychologists came to the conclusion that they were the work of Brown's own subconscious. Mm. That that old bag. Yeah, it'll get you. <laughs> uh, Leonard Zuzhne and Warren H. Jones in their book Anomalistic Psychology, A Study of Magical Thinking. I want to read that. Mm-hmm. Magical Thinking. Love it. Uh, noted that, quote, Brown wrote hundreds of pieces of music dictated by the various composers. They were passable works entirely in the style of these composers, but appeared to be simply reworkings of existing pieces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Professor of psychology John Sloboda wrote that Brown's music offers, quote, the most convincing case of unconscious composition on a larger scale. Mm. Uh, psychologist Robert Kastenbaum uh, analyzed Brown's music compositions and came to doubt that they were dictated to Brown by spirits of well-known composers. <laughs> I mean, it's just a bunch of people saying like, mm, it, you know, she might not have actually talked to dead Bach. Yeah. It's <laughs> wild that, you know, someone even has to say that. But. Yeah. Um, so it's just a lot of them being like, oh, you know, it could be or oh, it can't be. Yeah. It's um, just a ton of speculation. <laughs> yeah. Brown maintained that she had never had any musical training aside from a few piano lessons. 
though paranormal investigator Harry Edwards says, quote, a perusal of newspaper reports about Ms. Brown elicits contradictory information about her alleged lack of musical education. Oh. Originally, she stated she had had no musical training. Later, she is reported to have had only a couple of years of music lessons mm. and recently admitted to belonging to a musical household and being a competent musician and pianist. Ah. So, so. It's, it's fraying. She's got some splaining to do. Yeah. Um, according to the psychologist Andrew Neher, uh, Brown loved, quote, Brown loved music as a child. There was a piano in her home while she was growing up. Her mother played the piano and she herself took piano lessons. Mm. All of this together with the enhanced skill often displayed in altered states of consciousness <laughs> seems sufficient to account for her musical compositions. Mm. Um, so that is... Uh, Rosemary Brown. Wow. Who is, it says, uh, English self-proclaimed medium is her little, uh, her little Wikipedia thing. What a thing to have on your CV. What a legacy. Yeah. Truly, what a legacy. (laughs) Wow. Amazing. Um, I'm going to read a Wikipedia article as well. Uh, This is The Nation of Celestial Space. The nation of celestial space is a micronation. We love them. We love a micronation. We Cre- love it. <laughs> we love it. Created by Evergreen Park, Illinois res- Evergreen Park, Illinois resident James Thomas Mangan. Okay. Celestia comprised the entirety of outer space, which Mangan laid claim to on behalf of humanity to ensure that no one country might establish a political hegemony there is that how you say that word hegemony hegemony um honestly not a bad idea like to call dibs on space yeah as far as i know yeah as far as i know it hasn't formally been done no yeah great move um as founder and first representative he registered this acquisition with the recorder of deeds and titles of cook county on january 1st 1949 at its foundation, Celestia claimed to have 19 members, among them Mangan's daughter Ruth. A decade later, a booklet published by the group claimed that the membership had grown to 19,057. Okay. So that's a big jump. So an exponential increase. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mangan was active for many years in pursuing his claims on behalf of Celestia. In 1949, he notified the United States, Soviet Union, United Kingdom, and United Nations that Celestia had been banned had banned all further atmospheric nuclear tests. <laughs> Smart. Yeah. Later, as the space race got underway in earnest, he sent angry letters of protest to the leaders of the Soviet Union and United States on the occasions that their early space flights encroached upon his territory. Although he later waived these pro, uh, prescriptions to allow for satellite launches by the latter. <laughs> it's very kind of him. So nice. <laughs> While Mangan and Celestia were politely ignored by the superpowers. There is evidence that at least some others were prepared to entertain his claims with a greater degree of seriousness. Mm. The first unfurling of the Celestian flag, featuring a blue sharp symbol 
with a white disc against a blue field, was broadcast in June 1958 to a television audience of millions across the U.S., and the following day, the flag was raised at the United Nations building in New York City no way. <laughs> to fly alongside those of the member nations of that organization. That's so funny. Wild. How, does, how do you like that's when you know you've made it as a as a micronation. Absolutely. <laughs> All the other in, micronations are like, like Damn. tell us your secret. <laughs> <laughs> Despite these efforts, the nation of uh, celestial space is thought to have become defunct with the death of its founder. Its only surviving legacy is the series of stamps and silver and gold coins and passports issued in its name by Mangan from the late 1950s through the mid 1960s. Smart to, you know, build out some passports. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to skip a little. They get into too many details about the coins. We, uh, do, you know, we don't care. We're not pneumatologists. <laughs> is that the ones with coins? Yeah, I think so. Uh, The declaration by the Nation of Celestial Space was issued by Celestia on December 21st, 1948. It proclaims to establish the nation to, quote, secure for sympathetic people, wherever they may live, the beauties and benefits of a vast domain yet unclaimed by any state or nation. Hmm. Uh, The document goes on to explain the nature of Celestia's claim. And that's all that's provided on Wikipedia. Wow. So we don't know you know, fully the status of it these days. Yeah. I mean, it seems to be defunct, but who knows? But it, you know, we never know what goes on in space. You never know what goes on in space. True. That's my motto. Um, campers, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. Uh, we love you. We appreciate you. And you know what? We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.